The Lord be with you. And I want to finish what we started last week. If you were not with us last week, this will stand on its own four legs. Um, But there was things I wanted to say last week and we didn't get the chance. And so go back to the verse or passage that we were in, which is Philippians in chapter 2. And that that first 11 verses, I know I said this last week, um, but I, I trust... Uh, you'll read it and we will refer to it more specifically as this hour goes on. But the text that it's one of the greatest uh, texts in the New Testament for its putting together so succinctly how this Christian life works and what it really is. And if ever there was a time in our history, your history and mine, when we need to hear what this life in Christ is, we need to hear it right now. It was written, of course, in days of persecution, uh, something that we here in the U.S. have never really tasted. And some of our brothers and sisters who are watching this, they're in the Middle East and in Asia, you know what persecution is. And I want you to know not only that we are praying for you at this time, but also that this little letter to the Philippians, the Philippian people, they were under extreme persecution. And Paul refers to it. And it began in persecution. Paul began this church in Philippi. Uh, with he and Silas being beaten mercilessly and placed in the irons within the innermost jail, you remember, and in that bloody mass that was what was left of their bodies, they sang praises to God, and there was the earthquake, and that was really the beginning of the church. And, And now, to those people, under persecution, He is writing, this is how you live in days such as this. And what does he say? So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You know, um, as I said last week, uh, this word, or the, the, the two words that introduce this, he says that you are to work out your salvation. And that expression, let me repeat this much, uh, the, the expression is one used uh, where you have a potential that you are now going to work out to its fullest final expression. And, and so the one that comes to mind immediately and is used in Scripture is that of the planting of a seed. Within the seed is the life. That, that 
seed, it looks so dead, doesn't it? But the seed is actually the container of life. Life that is far beyond the person who is doing the planting. Do you follow me? When when you buy that packet of seeds, it's a packet of dried up. They, they look as if they're already dead and gone. But within those seeds, there is life that you could never produce. It's a life beyond anything you could imagine. Within that tiny seed, such a mystery and a wonder. Because you're going to put that seed in the ground, and that seed is going to bring forth whatever the picture was on on the packet. It, it, It brings forth the vegetables, the flowers, uh, cascading colors, and so on. Um, Life is in that seed. But you, as the gardener, you cultivate it. That doesn't mean to say that you have to uh, call forth the life. That will do it very well by itself. But you do the weeding, you do the watering, you tend it, you guard it. And the result is, as you work it out, you, along with the life of the seed, bring that seed to its fullest potential. And so Paul is writing here to persons who already know God's salvation. Please understand that. I, I think I made that perfectly clear and trust so now. This is written to believers. It is not saying they must work in order to become saved. He is writing to those who would describe themselves as saved. They know salvation. Now, to such people, to believers, Paul is saying, work out, bring to full harvest, cultivate this life that is within you and develop it and bring this salvation to its fullest potential. And he says, and this is what I want to emphasize here tonight, he, he, he says that you are to thus work out, cultivate your own salvation, your own salvation, that that gripped a hold of me. In fact, that's the reason I returned to this and said, you know, I haven't said enough yet. Your own salvation. See, he is speaking in one sense to the entire congregation that they as a whole must work out, bring to full potential all that is in this congregation of people. But he says here, your own salvation. That is, the congregation will flourish only as each individual person within it work out their own salvation. Your own salvation. The the salvation has your name on it. This isn't some sort of blob out there in eternity. No, this is your salvation your own salvation, that which uniquely is given to you, belongs to you by God's sheer gift. And now you and he together work it out. That's what he's saying here. 
We'll come back to that. But this word salvation crops up again. We've talked about that in weeks past. It's a, one of the biggest words in, in the Bible because it certainly fills the Old Testament and, and um, undergirds the new salvation. In fact, this is such a central word uh, of the Scripture that this is the name of Jesus. You do know that, don't you? The name of Jesus, that's our westernized transliteration of his name. The name Jesus in Hebrew is Yeshua, and that exact term, Yeshua, is found throughout the Old Testament when it speaks of God's salvation. The name Jesus, or the Hebrew Yeshua, it it means that God, the Lord, is our salvation. Jesus is salvation now become flesh. Salvation, no longer a theological word, but the word salvation has actually taken flesh. Salvation walks on two legs among us. Jesus is the final definition of the word salvation. And what does it mean? Both Old and New Testament salvation essentially it holds the the idea of the word deliverance uh, rescue and, and and so yes god and as we know by the new testament god specifically in jesus has come to deliver us to rescue us and rescue us from the tyrant the, the one that we know as the devil, as Satan, the one that Jesus called the liar, and the one who spoke the lie in the Garden of Eden that twisted and distorted the minds and the very beings of mankind. The produced sin, sin spews out of the lie which is spoken by the liar who is the tyrant that holds us in this darkness of untruth. Jesus entered into the darkness and he delivered us from the tyrant and rose from the dead and said he is now triumphant, the one, the only one who can say, I am the life, I am livingness, I was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. That's Jesus, the deliverer of you and of me. But this deliverance, salvation, is not only something we're delivered from, which tragically many people do think that, and they only stop in what they've been delivered from. The the word includes what we've been delivered to. Do you understand? We're not merely let out of the jail. No, salvation is our deliverance from that bondage of sin, but... I'll not even say includes, because that almost sounds like a P.S. No, salvation means that we are delivered to all that 
the love of God from unbeginning has promised. And so when we say salvation, we are speaking of our dying with Christ, dying to the power, the authority of sin, the lie, the liar, but also it speaks of our resurrection with Jesus that we have now been adopted into the family of the Holy Trinity, that we are now part of the new creation which stepped out of the tomb when Jesus rose from the dead. It means, salvation means that we now have received of the Holy Spirit who is the long-promised blessing that he even began to promise in the days of Abraham. The Holy Spirit who sheds abroad in our hearts the love of God so that at our center we are learning to become lovers like the one who loved us and gave himself for us. The blessing. And, and that word blessing, along with the word salvation, also means prosperity. And as I have said, I don't know how many times, that the word prosperity in the scripture, which there's a lot of it in these various words that translate to prosperity, it, it never means that you're just filthy rich, because that isn't prosperity in the scripture. In fact, that can be abject poverty to be filthy rich, because prosperity in scripture is prosperity of heart, of your inner being, where you are overflowing with joy and overflowing with the peace of God, and you know the power of the love of God in you, with you, through you. Now that spills over into the way you look at life. It spills over into your body. And so the word salvation also means health, physical health and well-being. It means healing from sickness. And Jesus used this word salvation when he healed the sick. And, and translators cannot make up their minds sometimes whether Jesus meant to say that your faith has saved you or your faith has healed you because it's the same word. You get the picture here. This is a deliverance from and a deliverance to that covers the totality of our being. Our innermost I, innermost you, where I, look at I, and call me Malcolm, I, in my center, saved, delivered from, set free to be a full member of the Holy Trinity family and to know that blessing not only in my spirit but in my mind and emotions and my physical body and cells and therefore on to all of life, totality of life, salvation. What a word, what a word. So this text, see, just to look at the word salvation, you, you look at all of that, but in this text, he is speaking to people who already know 
that they have been delivered from the power uh, of, of the liar. They, they know that they have been crucified with Christ and risen with him. This is saying, let me say it again, bring this salvation to its fullest fulfillment. Let, let it be cultivated in your life so that the seed that was planted in you as you called upon the Lord, let that come to its fullest, most beautiful expression. And so this is not speaking of the inception or the beginning of salvation. It's rather saying, now bring this into every part of your life. Let, let, let this this vine of God entwine itself into your personal life in all aspects, into your relational life, into your home, into your work, your school. Let this seed grow. So I, I think it was the ancient um, paraphrase of the Bible uh, by Weymouth. Some of you older folks might remember that the, the Weymouth um, paraphrase. A- and he actually translates this uh, as your uh, power healing. He says, work out your power healing, the healing of your whole being. Life himself has come within you. Now, let your life be healed. I mean... <sighs> We, we, we've been through some journeys, haven't we? we? We've been up against stuff. Some have known abuse and some have known the pride of religion and so on. Well, you've, you've come to salvation. Now recognize the healing of your life. Work it out. Work it out. Bring this salvation into your memories. Bring this salvation into your now worldview and attitude to life. Work it out. Let it, let it be healed. Another uh, translation of this text is well-being. Work out this well-being or another word for salvation, peace. This incredible God peace in the midst of this world. But you see, it says work out your own salvation. And grammatically, we, at least we should be thinking it if we don't say it, it's saying you, you work out your own salvation. You have a job to do. He said, work out your salvation. Now, this says it as plain as it gets, but the idea is implicit in many other texts in, in the Scripture, and that is salvation is an event. Please, I I don't want anyone to think otherwise. Salvation is an event. It's an event in that it took place in history once and for all. Christ died, rose again, ascended for all mankind. That's the message of the entire New Testament. The event. The blood of Jesus shed once and for all. And there was the event in your life when you woke up to that. 
And the Holy Spirit opened your ears and eyes to realize you were included in that event, that salvation event. And with, with many people, that is something very definitive. They can tell you the day and the hour. Not everybody can. And if truth were known, um, there were many days, maybe many months, that led up to that moment. So you could ask the question, when did that salvation event in your life take place? Good question. Um, and others just plain couldn't tell you. They just know that somewhere between here and there, they became a new creation. It, it, it came upon them. It invaded them. But so subtly, they just know they're never to be the same again. Salvation came. And, and so, as I say, the Christ event, the salvation event, when he died and rose again and ascended and sent the Holy Spirit. There was an event in our life when we woke up to realize we were included in that. Yes, I, I believe that. But it's also a process. I mean, this says it. Work out your own salvation. You already have the salvation. Now he says, work it out. Do you realize the gift that was given to you is not merely, pathetically, about life after death? It isn't that you, you sort of received your eternal insurance card and now you've got it and well, that's it. No. There was implanted into your spirit the gift of God, His salvation, into you and the potential of that life that is now within you, you can't see the end of it because it goes on and on to the ages of ages, but it begins right here and now. You ever thought about that? Do you know who you are? You're not just a jolly churchgoer, you know. You're, you're the bearer of God life. You're not somebody who will go to heaven when you die and not go to hell. Oh, Lord, save us from that. And that kills anybody. You just hang around to die so you can finally start to this save stuff. No, no, that's not what it is. It's here. It's now that you work out this reality that you have been delivered from the hands of the tyrant, that you no longer believe the lie that characterizes those outside of Christ, that you are a child of God. You call him Abba, and Jesus, your elder brother, who for you has carried you into this family. And the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, making all of this a reality. Yes, this is you. He's working in you now, this salvation, in the totality of your life. And so it's an event. But what this text is talking about is the process 
the process of working it out, the process of arriving in the ages of ages to what it's all about. What I'm trying to say is there are too many persons who look upon that day, however it happened, when you called upon the Lord, the day that you would say, then I was saved. And it's that day is looked upon by so many as a terminus. That is, you've arrived. You know what terminus you caught the plane to New York City, the pilot says we're now landing, and you come up to the gate and you're here. It says New York City, it's terminus. That is, you got there. And they say, you know, 40 years ago I was saved, as if we arrived. No, look here, old chap. You, you only, that was when the seed was planted. And every day and every hour, the process goes on. You are working out into life. In the middle of the pressures, you are working this salvation out. Ever thought about this? You see, we are, and I'll quote from, I believe it's Corinthians, we are co-workers together with God. What a statement. We are co-workers together. He is the divine gardener of your life. But we are co-workers with him. Look, this isn't magic. I, I, I've heard it presented that way too many times. You know, Say this prayer after me and nothing will ever be the same again. Well, yeah there's truth to that but but the idea that something magic is going to happen you know uh, suddenly i know all things suddenly i've investigated all possibilities of salvation no you haven't you see you just called upon the lord and you're in and you call him father but you hardly know who he is you hardly know what this is about no, it's not magic. We're not God's robots. That, that he's now going to work in you while you just sit there sort of plugged in to some divine charger. No. Look, what, what's the words the Bible use? Let me speak words that you are fully aware of. The Bible calls this life a rebirth. We're reborn. The, the, the favorite expression back there in the 70s, I've been born again. Well, yes, that's true. But what does that make you then? It makes you a baby. And, and, and you don't say, well, you know, I had the baby last night. Now what do we do? Huh. If the baby arrived last night, we've got many, many years of working out the miracle of a human life that right now is a fragile, needy, crying little creature. And that's what the Bible says. You were reborn. You were born again. Therefore it says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. Yes, there's a working 
out. Babies have to be fed and changed as they develop, you see. But it's potential. You wouldn't bother to do that if it was a raccoon. But, but it's a baby. There's life there that's human life. And so you cultivate, you do everything necessary, you watch over, you guard, you feed, you whatever, to bring that life to its fullest potential. We do not catapult into maturity in Christ. You do that through many experiences, through saturating your spirit in God's word, through allowing the Holy Spirit to apply that word and the Holy Spirit to walk you through many experiences where that word becomes your you knew about it before now you know it's your rock solid foundation now work out your salvation being involved in the process. And we are involved. We are... Look, uh, Jesus commanded us, love one another as I have loved you. I don't know if anybody's really listened to that. Love one another as I have loved you. That is divine love the love that we see exhibited in the life death resurrection of jesus as i have loved you now he says you love one another i say if we ever really seriously thought about that as we believe that holiness is giving up smoking and 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 you you realize we what have we done? Here it says to love one another. We, I, you, we love one another with God love. We do it. We, you love one another. He didn't say sit there and I'll zap you. He says get on with it. And if you read the epistles, they they are continually speaking of working that love out into life. We do it. We do it. With the mighty enablement of the Holy Spirit, that I grant you, but the emphasis of this text at this moment is you, this salvation, I say it's an event, but it's a process and a process in which we are involved. Uh, and what about, I know people have problems with it sometimes, in, in the Lord's Prayer, where we pray, forgive us our debts as, as we have been forgiven. Rather, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, I'm sorry. Um, that, that, what, what is that prayer? That prayer is saying, that we should become forgivers of others in exactly the same way as we have been forgiven. And when you pray the Lord's Prayer, you are implicitly stating that's the kind of person that I want to be. 
that that request there is actually a request that you shall forgive even as you are being forgiven because that's what this is about salvation in your life is an event but it's a process and a process in which we are involved listen there's another text that's crying out to be talked about one of these days and that's Titus 2 and verse 11 and let me quote it to you Titus 2 11 he says for the grace of God has appeared oh don't get me preaching uh that that water it, it's it's that word appeared is like the sun rising above the horizon and and in the rising the darkness of night flees away and you're caught in the rays of the new sun the grace of god has appeared he said plain now for all to see in your face the grace of god is a bit bringing salvation to all men but that grace that brings us salvation instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, godly in this present age. So he said, the grace of God has appeared. The grace of God has shone upon you and that grace has brought to you salvation. But that grace brings with it instruction that is when the holy spirit comes within you with the gift of salvation he comes instructing us to deny and that's a strong word in fact i think the new international version which is by no means my favorite but i think here it says the grace of god has appeared teaching us to say no to sin and ungodliness. That's, that's the perfect translation. Instructing us to say no. There, there, there's. So, as just a minute, I, I, I thought you just walked forward and prayed a prayer after the pastor and everybody applauded and you're in, you're saved, and yes. But then the process begins. That grace that appeared to you. That salvation seed deposited in you is going to be teaching you over the next weeks and months to say no to all ungodliness and worldly desires. Um, the amplified version of that same text, Grace of God, has come forward for the deliverance from sin to give eternal salvation it has trained us to reject and renounce all ungodliness so he he puts it the the grace of god trains us to reject and renounce or the first one to deny to say no to and then the message paraphrase he has it god's readiness to give and forgive is now public salvation's available for everyone and we are being shown how to turn our backs 
on a godless, indulgent life and how to take on a God-filled, God-honoring life. And this new life is starting right now. I like that. That's what it says. So the grace of God, the free gift of God, is lavished upon you. And that has been the case. This is you I'm talking about. This is your own salvation. God's grace has been lavished upon you. And within us, from within, not an external long list of laws given to us, but from within us, the grace of God, the Holy Spirit, teaches us to say a definite no to ungodliness. So the gospel, this good news that is in Jesus Christ, does not only announce salvation, but that gospel, that body of truth centered in Jesus who is alive, that body of truth has within it the will and the power to refuse ungodliness and to do all that salvation promises and commands in this life. Do you understand that? What about Romans 1.17? Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God to salvation. That body of truth that came to you concerning Jesus, the living Jesus, the gospel, the good news concerning Christ, says Romans 1.17, that good news is the power of God to salvation. It isn't something that preachers just preach about and then when you believe it, you hope you get some power to live it. No, that gospel as it enters into your ears and wraps itself around your heart. That gospel is the power of God to salvation. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness. It instructs us in a life of godliness. It it trains us to reject and renounce sin. It's implicit in it. It's not something add on extra. We turn our backs. Look, to to do the works of godliness, to work out this salvation into life, to become the lovers, that is the characteristic mark of those who are in the family of God. As we work that out day after day, do you realize there's, within us, there's the negative and the positive? Or put it this way, we draw a line in the sand. Look, if we love one another as he has loved us, Then you go into the epistles and you find that's worked out in you put away all bitterness and malice and gossip and slander and every desire to hurt one another. That's just one little text that shows how that's worked out. 
uh, among plenty of others. Okay, then, the fact that I have received salvation, the fact I have been delivered out of, of the claws of Satan under, from under the tyrant, that, that fact being I have received the love of God, I have seen the foundation of life is the love of God. Therefore, unlove can never again be part of my life. I mean that. I mean, no, no wishy-washy. This, this doesn't say, well, have a go at it. It's my suggestion that perhaps, maybe, you could just try once in a while. No. Do, do you see what I'm saying? This is shocking. Wonderfully, gloriously, hilariously shocking. If I have seen the love of God, then I draw a line in the sand and I say, it is impossible for me to ever go back to a life of unlove. It can no longer be part of my life. Gossip cannot be part of my life. Bitterness, unforgiveness, it cannot be part of my life. It's impossible for me to continue in that lifestyle, for he who is love now dwells within me. And the love of Christ in forgiving and kindness and gentleness must now be the way I live. Or to put it this way, when I say yes for the life of Christ in me and through me today, I am at the same time saying no to all that would be its opposite. You can't say yes without saying no to something. This is, this is the very basis of things like Ephesians 4, where, where it says you, you put off and then gives that list of all the expressions of unlove and self-centeredness, the rottenness of this world. And it says you put it off. And that word in the Greek language is very strong. Actually, the image there is that you have on this filthy, torn, shredded old coat and it's crawling with lice and suddenly you who have worn this for a long time you wake up and realize what, what am I wearing and you tear it from you and you fling it away from you that's exactly what that image behind those words is put it off uh, you, you don't say well over the next year I'm going to have a go at this. No, you, you realize I can't live with this crawling lice of gossip and slander and unkindness and bitterness. I, I, I can't. And you realize in Jesus Christ I died to this. In Jesus Christ I rose from the dead to be a new creation. Therefore I put on a new coat, a coat that was woven in the tailor 
of the empty tomb. I, I put on the resurrection life of Jesus. And I begin to learn how to live in all the pressures of life consistent with who I now am in Jesus Christ. Work out. Work it out into life. If this is true, then this is the only way I can live. If this is true, I can't go back there. You say, do you mean you never sin? Well, put it this way. And I'll be, we don't, you, you never deliberately sin. Come on, you've seen too much. You may fall into it, may do something stupid, caught off guard, and you may fall and do something totally inconsistent with who you are. But you sure don't stay there. You feel the horror of it. You feel the dirt of it. And you give thanks to God that he's forgiven, included even this into the finished work of Christ. And the blood of Jesus keeps on cleansing you from sin. And you get away from it as fast as you can. Because that's not where you live. You did once. You did once. That was your habitat. But now, your habitat is the Holy Trinity family and you can't live there anymore. can't live there. This is your own salvation. Has your name on it. It's applied uniquely to you because you are not me. In terms of basic personality, if you want to use those terms, your, your DNA, I mean, use you. I'm me. We're totally different. But this salvation comes uniquely to us. It's got my name on it. got your name on it. Or Jesus, who is salvation, says, Paul loved me, gave himself for me. When Jesus talks of himself as a shepherd... He goes to look for one lost sheep, not the whole jolly herd. He's, he's telling us, I'm coming for you. It's your salvation. Your salvation. And, and uniquely applicable to everything we have been. We have been. Because we all come from a different past. We all need this healing salvation in different ways. It's your own salvation. Can't blame anybody. Can't link up to anybody. I mean, when it, when it comes to it, uh, you may have the best pastor in the nation, but this is your salvation. And there comes a point where no one, no one can be part of that. You... Okay, you must assume ownership of your salvation. You are responsible to put off all that is inconsistent, that is cultivated. Get the weeds out. Let the seed of life grow. It's, it's your own responsibility. There's no other Christian, you see. And Christians sometimes can be the ones who offend us and hurt us. And, and we say, well, if that's a question, well, stop that nonsense. 
because this is your salvation and you are responsible. Assume your ownership to work this out. Whoever you're flung together with in the bundle of life, we do this. And we do it, says Paul, with fear and trembling. That's really an unfortunate phrase. I mean, that's what the Bible says. But it's a phrase, a very old phrase. Old in terms of the Bible. It's got Old Testament vibrations. But it's old in terms of use in English. And we've, we've just left it there. What, what does fear and trembling mean? Uh, it, it means, first of all, you're to recognize the awesome seriousness of what's going on. This is not a hobby we've taken up. It's not a fad. It's not something we take up because, well, everyone else is doing it. And No. You, you realize our brothers and sisters in Egypt tonight are being martyred because they believe this salvation in Jesus. I hope you know that. It's not a hobby. It's, don't get lost in the mega churches which make it feel like you've just become part of a subculture called Christian. No, no, you haven't. You have received at the hand of God through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, you have received His salvation. You are the latest edition of the purpose that God had before He created to bring about a child of God, you. You are the dwelling of God. Right now, you're the dwelling of God wherever you live, along with every other believer. But we're talking about you right now through the Holy Spirit. You are His presence on earth, along with all other believers, but you are His presence on earth. I say that, yeah, this isn't a fad. This is you. Recognize the seriousness. All oh, the wonderful seriousness. But what manner of person have I been called to be? Fear and trembling. Yeah. Let the wow of it hit you. Fear and trembling. But also, fear and trembling means that you feel your weakness. You say, I can't live that life. That's the impossible life. Yes, you're absolutely right. That's what the New Testament calls this life. Impossible. But we do not say that with fear. We recognize it. We feel our weakness. But we celebrate our weakness as containers of this Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who is our strength, 
Holy Spirit who works in us to will and to do of His good pleasure. And you can never depend on the Holy Spirit while you're depending on yourself. And therefore, with fear and trembling, realizing the seriousness, the the absolute impossibility of the life that I have, the life, the gift I've received scares me. It's too big. It's impossible. Okay, fear and trembling. But then, fearing my own weakness, I recognize that the salvation announces that He is my life, He is my strength. I live yet no longer I, it's Christ who lives in me, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and so on and so on. The Holy Spirit is within us, right at this moment. It is so. The, how can I put this? The, just, just look at it again. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to do of His good pleasure. Notice that's in the present tense. He's not saying that they've got to do something or get something extra. He's announcing to them, this is who you are. You are a person in whom God is working to will and to work of his good pleasure. That is so. He's he's within us. The seed is planted and, believe it or not, has already grown within you. So we're not trying to make something happen. We're being awakened to realize what is. Do do you get it? Look in the mirror. Realize there's more to your face than you. Christ lives in you. See the challenges of life. Tonight, today, tomorrow. Recognize there's more to you than meets the eye. You face those challenges with Jesus Christ, your life. It's his life you live, you live his life. For me to live is Christ, he said. That's it. That's the salvation we're working out. At the head of this chapter... It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then proceeds in those first 11 verses to describe the incredible humility of Jesus and his obedience to the Father in coming to save us. And that the Father has given to him the name above every name. Now, that... I say, is prefaced by its saying, let this mind be in your, let this attitude, this outlook to life be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I, I could spend so long talking about that let. But 
basic to understanding what it means without going into all that it does mean let it if you say let it it means that in your mind you have come to the conclusion that whatever it is you are going to let is there to be let you say let it happen well the assumption is the it is is there just hanging ready to happen waiting for you to say let it happen I, I was thinking about this um, when I was feeding our dogs some of you have met our dogs here at the ranch um, the ones on the it, it's the um, oh, mine's gone blank okay but they're those big dogs <laughs> uh, and um, they're, they're, they're very excited and, and, and their, their energy is high and all I have to say is let the dogs out and that means I open the gate and they bound out with, with, with energy that will carry them leaping across the grass let the dogs out well that assumes there are dogs to be let out you understand it's the assumption that they have the energy to come through the gate. I, I don't open the gate hoping there may be some dogs around to come out. When I say let the dogs out, it assumes I know there are dogs there to be let out, and it assumes that they have the energy to get out under their own steam. You follow me? Let the dogs out. Let, let, let. When it says let, it means whatever it is you're going to let out already is and already is shall I say urgently ready to come out in Colossians Paul speaks of another aspect of this he says let the peace of God come and be the the umpire uh, of your life your heart um, well the assumption is Christ is in you the fullness of life love in Christ is in you through the Holy Spirit who fills you your body is his dwelling place his temple well then let it be so let, let, let it be so that's how you work out salvation bring it to its fullest um, potential let it be so let it be let it be this is who you are stop talking as if this is who you'd like to be or will be one day and all that religious nonsense this is who you are let it be I think I've got to do another week on this um the, the fact is, you are a Christ in you person. That's who you are. And all that you, you're, you're trying to make things happen, you're trying to make God do things, and it's done, and it's finished, and it is in Jesus Christ within you. So let it be. All the rest of that. 
you know, I, I didn't have to do anything to the dogs to make them run out. All it was just open the gate, let it be, and they're gone ahead of me. Let the dogs out. And people are trying to, they're trying to find love, and they're trying to find peace, and they're trying to get joy, and they're trying to be kind. Stop it. Let it be. Let, let it be. And, and the new creation that is in Christ Jesus flows through us. And we begin to think of ourselves and speak of ourselves as the persons we truly are in Christ Jesus. You know what I'd like some... To do it, and I'm not thinking of anyone at all because I mean, there the number of persons watching this this year has been 1.5 million, and so I, I have no idea who I'm talking to. But I, there are times I flip through a Facebook page, and the number of persons who describe they use those sacred words which describe my innermost being in Christ. They say, I am. And then give a litany of miserable, upset, bored. Lies, lies, lies. You may feel that, but that's not who you are. Yes, with fear and trembling say those words, I am. Who am you? You are Christ in you. And I never say I am my lying feelings. I speak who I am in Christ. I think who I am in Christ. And I let that flow into behavior and work out my own salvation. Well, I am over time. And so we will in some manner deal with the last 10 minutes of what I've just said. We'll, we'll deal with that fully next week. There it is. The blessing of God who is almighty love. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. His blessing be with you, be in you. And you know his strength wherewith to work out your own salvation in these days. So I bless you and declare that is the way it is.